of Proverbs in the Park. And tonight we'll be done with Proverbs. So don't ask me what next year looks like. I don't know. Um, something like Lamentations in the Land or Mark in the Park. Something like that. We'll see. Speaking of Mark in the Park, he's right there. Hi, Mark in the Park. Okay, so let's get it. Let's get to it. Proverbs chapter 29. <laughs> he who is often rebukes and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. So there's going to be a number of Proverbs here tonight that are um, they're kind of for like children and youth. This one kind of goes in with that. Uh, because it speaks of correction and how we ought to love correction. And so we'll see those as we go on. But um, just, I, w- I would say, especially for the youth here tonight, so everyone sitting on a blanket, I think, fits into that. And one little girl standing in the grass walking away from me. But, um, man, uh, oh, yeah, and back there. Yes, thanks, guys. Good to see you. Like... When your folks speak the correction into your life, listen and hear and heed. You may have heard your folks say to you a time or two, like, hey, we've talked about this. Just yesterday, I told you about this very thing. And then, you know, two days later goes by, hey, we just talked about this. And so if you are corrected time and time again for the same thing, and you aren't, like, repenting, and moving on, then you're in a dangerous place. So I am speaking to kids here. I had to have a tough conversation this week with one of my children. And I was like, look, you need to snap out of it. Like, we've talked about this three times so far, like in the last day. And I'm telling you right now, everything that you love will be done for a while and you're going to be in my back pocket doing chores you're not going to like it and it was like immediately there was a like this is probably the third conversation we'd had like it where it was just a stare down and at this point it was i'm sorry there was like a real genuine sorry then a couple days went by and then there was like an ask for forgiveness and a repentance and so i was just thankful for that but you know if you've been parents you know you're like look We've had the nice little, like, hey, all right, none of that, none of this, none of that, none of that. And that's like, look, I know you like to do this, this, and this. It's done if this happens again. <laughs> Woo! We call that a come to Jesus moment, you know? And honestly, as godly as my folks were and are, and, and like, my mom was probably like the strict one. If my dad, Russ Rogers, you know, would have brought the powerhouse down like that with me, there would have been some some reform in my life earlier on that was needed, you know? And so I just want to encourage you, kids, um, so let me say it for your parents. Look at me, kids. Your folks have told you these things once. They've told you it twice. Don't make them say it a third time. Tonight, as we're in the presence of the Lord, bring it to the Lord, repent before the Lord, Let's move on and enjoy happy time, okay? But if you're hardening your neck, you're going to be destroyed without remedy. It's just not going to be good for you. 
anybody here has seen that in other people. You're like, they were told once, they were told twice. They never repented of it, and it just destroyed their life. So hear the wisdom of the older folks here. Number uh, Verse 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. We see that right now. We see it right now. Now, Donald Trump was not a righteous man. There was groaning going on. We were groaning. There were things you're like, could he just, could he just stop? Could he just really seek the Lord he claims to be seeking, right? And right now it's just a different type of wicked and we are groaning. But what are we groaning for? We need to be groaning for the right king to come and to come back, right? But we're groaning right now. It's painful, painful. I can't go on anymore about it. We don't have time. Uh, this would be another one of the passages about children and obeying your parents and uh, in the correction that goes with um, parenting. Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice, but a companion of harlots waits, wastes his wealth. So here we have, you have that guy that was rebuked multiple times and he received it. He finally did what one of my children did this weekend was like, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? The last few days have been, I've been wrong. And that makes a father rejoice. We just had a moment where I also was repenting of things. Like, I know that I'm this. And let's just, we just got to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can live this thing out to the end in a God-glorifying way. Oh, rejoicing when they heed that wisdom, when you kids hear your parents and heed them. Um, But... It's kind of interesting that if you don't, where does it take you? You're hanging out with the harlots. Now, that sounds gross and, and not, you know, it's like, what what is this park service rated here? You know, um, PG-17. Um, but uh, that's where it goes. And talk to people that have been down that road, and they'll probably tell you there was no correction in my life or I didn't heed that correction. The king establishes the land by justice, but he who receives bribes overthrows it. And we're learning right now of, you know, some sort of bribery scandals going on with connections with blah, blah, blah. It's going on in our government. And you just see when there's all this stuff going on, it just makes the land unhealthy. I'm not trying to be political. It's just very current cultural relevancy to what we're seeing in the Proverbs, right? A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. For whose feet? You're flattering the neighbor. You're spreading the net for your feet, my feet, his feet. Who's, who, where's the net? And the Young's literal translation says, spreads a net for his own steps. But Pastor Rob, my pastor, when I was first on staff working with him, he told me this, Rory, the one who always flatters you is the one who's going to turn on you. I know, huh? The one who's always just like, oh, just you or blah, 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 and just buttering the bread, you know. And, and he says it never fails. And it's just, it's true. Just the people that, I mean, it's nice to be, I remember one guy who was actually the one that turned on Rob. He heard that once and he was like, well, what are we supposed to do, you know? And it's like, dude, you're already like bitter at Rob, you know. And it's just like, you just, it's good to encourage, right? And it's good to just lift people up. But when you're just flattering people, it's carnal. And you're exalting someone and giving glory to the person rather than to the Lord. And it just shows that there's an idolatry. And you're going to find out that man is just a man. And he's going to let you down. You know? And so, anyways, please still keep encouraging me because I really need it. But 
Okay, yeah, it's over. By transgression, an evil man is snared, but the righteous sings and rejoices. The righteous considers the cause of the poor, but the wicked does not understand such knowledge. Scoffers set a city aflame, but wise men turn away wrath. Uh, I, I've been waiting all Proverbs to teach a proverb that uses the word scoffer, and I used it the other day on a Sunday morning because I just couldn't handle it anymore. And you might remember that we're uh, lately I've had to watch TV shows with subtitles on because uh, we can't hear over the kids and stuff. And so, and then even when the kids are in bed, it's like this is kind of handy, you know. And now I'm listening to books on tape while we're driving, and I'm like, I wish there were subtitles on the little screen in front of us because I still can't. Hear. That would cause a very serious wreck. <laughs> subtitles are great, though. I'm learning, and whenever someone goes. Even if it's just kind of like a, huh, uh, huh, huh, it says scoffing down on the subtitle, scoffing. And so it's kind of like, I'm learning like scoffing like, huh, 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 huh. just that's the response. So kids probably do it a lot to parents. Parents probably do it a lot to kids. And I just noticed I kind of do it to some of my kids as they're sharing. Russell came home today and said, dad, for high school, one of the classes I'm taking is spike ball. It's amazing, son, that the school district requires you to be in class and not at home so that you can play spike ball every day for a whole semester. What are we doing? And I was like, son, I'm not scoffing at you. I'm not. I'm just, I'm like, what's going on here? Okay. Anyways, like, why not a bunch of different things? Nope. Just spike ball 24-7. Okay. Anyways. So... But a scoffer, it's funny in the Hebrew, scoffer means man, husband, human being. So typically, I guess we're the ones that normally do that, right? It Literally, it means. So you can just start calling your man, hey, scoffer. You know, that's what it means in the Hebrew. Uh, but it goes on to mean a tittle-tattle, which I don't know what that is. I should have looked up the definition of that. But I did write down in my notes that it reminds me of fiddle-faddle that you can buy at Bymart, the tasty popcorn caramely snack for like 99 cents a box. Love it. Get one every time I go to Buy Mart. Fiddle faddle. Okay. Aren't you edified tonight? But this scoffing speaks of words of mockery and ridicule and derision as a whole class of people who act that way. So just scoffing, they set a whole city aflame. Uh, we kind of see that these days too, don't we? If a wise man contends with a foolish man, whether the fool rages or laughs, there's no peace. So, you know, you you, con you confront someone, and it just doesn't always go well. The bloodthirsty hate the blameless, but the upright seek his well-being. And I just noticed this. I'm on Twitter quite a bit, and you just see people that are just trolls, and they just attack blameless people. And I always love when just a really intelligent person speaks a word well-spoken. And the word says that a, a word rightly spoken is like a well-driven nail. And you're just like, thank you for standing up to that, for that person in their blamelessness, you know? Um, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. And you know, one saying that I hear within the church a lot, even within leadership sometimes, and not actually not within our leadership, former, 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 former leadership is, uh, I wear my feelings on my sleeve as they just tear you, you know what? Oh, I wear my feelings on my sleeve. <laughs> That's good. That's wrong. 
It's what the Bible calls being a fool. Okay? So if you are someone that wears your feelings on your sleeve, you need to rein it in just a little bit. Okay? Proverbs style. Okay? So you don't want to vent them all out at one time. Doesn't mean you don't talk and have transparency and all that. But when you're just uh, venting them all, that's not a good thing. Uh, Kidner uses, speaks about the, that phrase, hold it back. And it speaks of self-control. Fruit of the Spirit, self-control. And it, it's a language that speaks of the stilling of a storm and anger overcome not merely checked. So when you're in those tough conversations and you're like, this is it. This is where it all goes down. This is where my face is getting red. I can't breathe, but I'm just going to let it all out right now and just let our relationships fragment like a hand grenade was just dropped. And the Holy Spirit would say, why don't you just not? (laughs) Why don't you just hold on to that? Maybe speak this one little morsel right now, but not at all. Don't vent it all out right now. If a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. We probably always see that. I just seem to be noticing it lately in a lot of the news that I'm reading. Uh, The poor man and the oppressor have this in common, that the Lord gives light to the eyes of both. And this is what we call common grace. God is gracious even to the just and the unjust. Jesus says that in the Sermon on the Mount that he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Isn't that an awesome God? Like, he is so gracious. He has common grace. And uh, the poor person and the oppressor just have the grace of the Lord. For what purpose? That they might perhaps grope for him and find him, right? Uh, Moving on. The king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. Here's another verse that has to do with uh, parents and correcting children. Um, the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. I'm going to bring it up a couple notches from where Johnny was at a few weeks ago. He was trying to be nice, you know. I've done some work in this stuff, and I'm just telling you right now, don't spare the rod. Spankings on the butt is what I'm talking about. Okay, let's just be plain and blunt with it. It's a biblical thing. I have five children, and I'll tell you right now how my children have gone towards holiness. It's through nowadays. It's the it's the conversation at the car that's like, no more, you know. And it's like, don't need a spanking on the butt. I've had plenty of those, and I know you're not joking, you know. And and yet, some of them. They need a little fiddle-faddle on the piddle-paddle. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I don't know. Um, but uh, but listen to this. A spanking, the rod, and rebuke, and then even with adults, it's I get corrected sometimes, and it's like, yikes, but I needed that. And so it gives wisdom. It makes your child wise. But a child who's just left, he'll figure it out. He's left to himself. He'll just figure it out on his own as time goes by and he makes all the mistakes in life. That brings shame on his mother. And you guys, Russell, that poor kid, my first kid, you know him, you love him. When he was a little baby, a little young, and that kid, we wondered if perhaps Beelzebub had come and make his home in him. Especially when it was time to drop him off for Sunday school. I was on staff at Calvary Corvallis and... We'd be going to Sunday school check-in, 
manifestation of the wicked one comes out. The head turns around a full 360. He's either part owl or he has Satan living in him. And we make a quick detour into the arts and crafts closet where I would find some sort of a little thing to, you know, bring the correction. And he'd go right on in there. And for two years, and for two years, it was just bad with that boy. And then there just was incredible reform in his life as a young man who began, as a young boy who became a young man who loves Jesus. Now he's a, he's a real young man in my opinion, who just has wisdom. And I just think like, man, I just can't believe this is that little kid that was just, what have we done? What are we going to do? What are we never going to have anymore? I'll tell you that right now, you know, um, but just listen to a couple of these proverbs from the past. You've heard of proverbs in the park. These are proverbs from the past. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. What drives it far from him? The rod of correction. He who spares his rod hates his son. If you're not spanking your child, you hate him. It's just, I had a loving father who spanked my bottom. That big muscular orb on my backside that can take it. And I thank him for it. And there's a lot to be said about it and your anger level. And are you doing it because it was an affront to your pride and all that? There's a lot to it. Shepherd a Child's Heart is a great book. I recommend it. But it's got to be done. And I think a lot of issues in our society is because dad's not around. And dad's also not around bringing correction. And poor moms. And also moms get to do it too. You know, um, just be ready for that kid to catch that spoon for the first time because they're fast. <laughs> I would know I caught a few in my life. Oh, now what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, but, so if you spare the rod, you hate your son. But if you love him, you discipline him promptly. So it's like boom, 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 boom. Like it's like dump, dump. We're, we're moving on. We, you know, we speak about sin. We speak about what it does to the Lord, what it does to us. We speak about repentance. We show up forgivenesses. We cover it all in kisses. The next thing you know, you're giggling and rolling around on the ground. And we talk about how it hurts me more than it hurts you. And it really is a painful thing. And I want to not do it. But I have to obey the Lord. Don't you make me not obey the Lord. You know? Um, and uh, But if you love him, you'll do it promptly. Now, Proverbs 23, a few weeks ago, do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. So it's strong language, no doubt. It's biblical language. You can take it up with the Lord when you see him. You spank that kid. And the Douay Ramsey version says, do not despise the blueness of the wound. It's a biblical thing to have a painful punishment. It will drive that child's soul from hell. I'm not talking about bruising your kids and all of that, but it's a translation from the early church that was, it hurts to be disciplined. And Hebrews tells us that in chapter 12, and we'll read that in a second. But verse 16 first, when the wicked are multiplied, transgression increases, but the righteous will see their fall. You know, right now we're just in a place where it's like wickedness, wickedness, wickedness. And you just see people shoplifting at Target and running, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you're like, Oh my goodness. And you see the stuff going on in the schools and the follow libs of TikTok. It's really entertaining. All that stuff. And you're just like, Lord, come soon. And the Lord's like, just take it easy. 
Keep doing the main things. Don't lose focus. You'll see their fall one day. And, of course, we want them to come to the Lord. We don't want their demise. But it's like the wicked will fall, right? Okay, moving on. Correct your son, and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul, which is so great. I was, I think I was with Joe and Chris yesterday at my house, and I was kind of like, oh, teenage boy, you know, I told him to wash the car, and he wasn't one. And as I'm talking about, like, the car hasn't been washed, what do you know? You know, I'm like, oh, and I'm standing in the grass that had just been freshly mowed. And I was like, ah, who cares if the car hasn't been washed? Man, that boy is after it, and he just mowed the lawn, you know? Now get over there and wash the car. Okay, but um, just write in your references, Hebrews 12, 8 through 11, and what a beautiful passage that is on how who the Lord loves, he corrects, right? Okay. Uh, verse 18, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. There's another version of this verse that says, where there's no vision, the people perish. And so where there's not revelation, where there's not the, now we have the written word of God. And where the written word of God isn't, people cast off restraint. That means they run wild. Or the Young's literal translations, they are made naked. But the translation also says, keeping the law, though, oh, his happiness. That's the literal translation of this. So they don't have a revelation, the word of God. Uh, then they run around naked, basically, or they go run wild. Okay. But they have the law and they keep it. Oh, this is literal. Oh, his happiness, exclamation point. Okay. Um, oops. 19, 19, 20, and 21. A servant will not be corrected by mere words, for though he understands, he will not respond. So sometimes with your employees and stuff, you know, there's got to be a little, some sort of correction, you know, there. Do you see a man hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. So this kind of goes along with, I wear my shirt, or what is it? I wear my, my feelings on my sleeves, or whatever it is, you know? And it's like, hey, anyone that speaks too soon... Someone who speaks without thinking is what it means. Um, man, there's just no hope for someone that just can't be quiet for a minute and think about the ramifications of their words. 21. He who pampers his servant from childhood will have him as a son in the end. You know, Rob, as I was an employee of Rob Verdine, he would take me on trips. Israel... He would take me on trips down to California, bike rides to Orcas Island, take us to lunch, buy us coffees, just take good care of us. Um, and uh, and he would say, you know what, you just pamper your servants, you'll have them as a son in the end. And I feel like a son. It's interesting, though, that some of the translations say, uh, oh, rats, I, I, I got the wrong one. I copied the wrong version, but I'll try to remember what it was. Like if you pamper your servant from childhood, you spoil him and make him an adversary. So you do your homework, figure out which one. So far, it's worked out pretty well for me. Um, we're going to just buzz through the last verses here without much. An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Whoever is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He swears to tell the truth. But reveals nothing. So if you're a partner with a thief, uh, Kidner titled this verse, Suicidal Complicity. So don't be complicit with a thief because it will just kill you. 
Uh, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. One of my bigger struggles in life is the fear of man. I want to be everybody's friend. I don't want anybody to be upset with me and mad with at me. I hate confrontation. And, uh, and the Lord's really moved me out of that as bad as it used to be. But I just needed to fast and pray over that. And the Lord brought some really good deliverance years ago. But I used to fear man. And one of our old worship leaders, Stuart White, gave me a book that said, When People Are Big and God Is Small. That was the title of it. And it was just I had a reverse order of who the big one was in my life, you know. Um, and so you have fear of people. That's just going to trip you up. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, and he who is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. All right, so sorry to have to just buzz through those. we got to buzz if we're going to make it, right? Proverbs 30, the main idea for 30 is there's wisdom given to us in the way the world works. And it can only be perceived through the Creator's Son. We'll see that in the first verses. So, um, the words of Agur, the son of Jekah, his utterance. So we don't know who Agur is. We don't know who Jekah is. It's the only place in the Bible that we uh, see or hear of them. Uh, the name means, I am a sojourner, son of Yahweh the Holy. Uh, Jekah is... Um, shorthand for Yahweh the Holy. So I'm a sojourner, son of Yahweh the Holy. So you could probably put that together and have a little picture of Jesus, a sojourner to earth, who was the son of God, Yahweh the Holy. But we don't know who this guy was, uh, literally. Uh, the man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ukol. Yeah, nobody knows who these people are. So put that in your book, in your notes tonight. Verse 2, now I can get behind verse 2. Surely I am more stupid than any man and do not have the understanding of a man. Such wisdom here to be able to say that and to have humility. When was the last time you said that? Like with not false humility where you're like, oh, I'm such an idiot. And you're saying it to your friends. So they're like, you're not that big of an idiot. You're like, thanks. You know, and they're like, you didn't get that. <laughs> an idiot. Okay. Um, so, you know, but really neat humility coming into this. Um, I don't have the understanding of a man. And, and real wisdom comes when you look to God for understanding. I neither learn wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who's established all the ends of the earth? Who's done that? We know that's God, right? So it's just incredible. And I love this next little phrase. And what is his son's name, if you know? And so we would read that verse and be like, Yahweh created everything. What's his son's name? If It's like a little challenge to New Testament readers. Like, if you know who it is. And all the Sunday school kids go, Jesus, right? Nobody? You guys aren't even, yeah, you know, you know his son's name. Okay. Uh Every word of God is pure. He's a shield to those who put their trust in him. You guys, as you do your study on where the Bible came from and what's called the inspiration and inerrancy of the Bible, 
that teaches you that the Bible is not a man-made book, but it's breathed out by God, written by holy men as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, you will find that that means that the Bible is inerrant, without error, especially that can just be rested in in the original manuscripts. And, uh, and so what that does is you say, well, God is pure. The word of God is pure. So what do we have in our hands? Okay, it's, it's totally pure and it's great for everything concerning life and godliness. Um, goes on to say, so don't add to his words, verse 6, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. And so many of the cults have taken verses and twisted them and mixed them and just done their own thing to them. And they're just found a liar. It's not hard to do. Uh, just do your homework. You can find these uh, people to be liars. Verse 7 through 9. Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. I just love the way he's going to be setting up some of these things. Like it's a poem to a girl almost. You know, or something like, three things I ask of thee. You know, or whatever. Two things I request of you. Let me get them before I die, please. Uh, what are they? Number one, remove falsehood and lies far from me. Oh, I'm so tired of lies. Saying them and hearing them just... Could you deliver me from the lion, Lord? Lying is what I mean. Uh, and so, or give me neither poverty nor riches. Just give me what's allotted to me. Just give me my daily bread, right? That's the prayer of Jesus. Let us, uh, lest I be full and I deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and then I gotta <coughs> steal and then I profane the name of the Lord. So he just, this guy has a really good understanding of like what Deuteronomy chapter 8 talks about for the children of Israel. When you come in, it's going to be real tempting because finally you're in the promised land and you're going to think you don't need me too much and you're going to get all, I use the phrase fat and sassy, you know, and you're just going to completely forget about my faithfulness in the wilderness. And, uh, and so this proverb is like, Lord, just give me just what I need. Give me this day my daily bread and just keep me walking close to you and relying on you. Uh, and then uh, 10, do not malign a servant to his master, lest he curse you and you be found guilty. And uh, I like what um, the Christ-centered preaching, uh, what is it? It's the Christ-exalting commentary on Proverbs said this. Don't ruin an employee's reputation by slandering them to the boss, making fun of them, telling lies, stabbing them in the back or being overly critical, that person will respond by verbally accusing you or cursing you, and God will uphold the curse. Yikes. And so verse 10 sets up a list of verses 11 through 14 and gives us a key of how to interpret them. He gives us four generations or types of sinners who will be condemned by God. So verse 11 sets up the first one. There's a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. How sad. Glad we're not in that one. Um, there's a generation that's pure in its own eyes, yet has never been washed from its own filthiness. Glad we're not in that one. I'm being a little bit sarcastic. I think you all know that. I think we're in that one. Not my generation, X. Maybe going into Y. We're good. Okay. There's a generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. So a lot of pride. 
There's a generation whose teeth are like swords, whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among men. The leech has two daughters. And I was reading somewhere that leeches have two like little sucker probes or something like that. I don't know. I'd heard that for the first time. And then I don't like leeches, so I didn't Google it to look at a picture because I'd get all wheezy. Um, so you can look that up. But these two little needle probes are called give and give. They're just a sucker fish, right? There are three things that are never satisfied. Four say never, never say enough. What are these things? The grave, the grave is never satisfied. Always wants more. The barren womb is always longing for a child. Never satisfied. The earth that's not satisfied with water and the fire never says, well, I'm done. <laughs> this is, I'm good. I don't need any more, right? Uh, it's just some, some interesting numbers here and in wisdom and observations is really what they are the eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it so the lord is just not a big fan of people that don't respect their parents and revelation speaks of the wicked ones of babylon getting eaten up by the by the birds that's like a thing that god does in his justice and uh and so just Kids, once again for you, good tones with your parents, good eyesight, good facial expressions, good responses, you know, not back-talking, but maybe asking for clarification, things like that, you know, um, or else your eyes. That's all I have to say, your eyes. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> uh, here's some more numbers. There are three things that are too wonderful for me. Yes, Four that I don't understand. This is how I start making lists. I'm going to start with two. Well, I'm going to make it four. No, if you, I think at the end of the day, there's going to be eight things. Uh, okay, but here it is. The way of an eagle in the air. I just, oh, you ever look at an eagle in the air? I just, how? Just, you know, just mesmerized, right? Oh, what about the way of a serpent on a rock? Just incredible. We don't really have snakes in our house or around our house, but we do have lizards, and Russell found a blue-tailed lily munger or whatever they're called, you know, uh, blue-tailed, what is it? Skeet? Skink. Skink? Skunk? Skink? Uh, skink, okay. So, uh, yeah, you know, and have you watched them skittle and scattle all over the rocks and stuff? You know, pretty incredible. And then uh, the way of a ship in the midst of a sea. I've never really seen too much of that. And the way of a man, oh, then he gets a little like, whoa, dude, so to stop with three. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what he meant to say was when a man loves a woman can't take him out on nothing else. Okay. Uh, but I appreciated this uh, what was it here oh, I don't know where I, where I wrote it down but essentially the idea is that each one of these things, the, the eagle, the serpent, and the ship in the sea, they are moving and there's action and um, in like a ship on the sea, there, it may be like, you know, tempest tossed, all sorts of things, but there's never like a mark or anything left. Like it's just, there's like a purity to it. And so the commentary that I read spoke about, like, and then regarding sexual purity and relationships, like, when a man is with the woman, 
that is it's a godly relationship. There's no broken hearts. There's no scattered pieces. It's like, man, it's like the eagle was in the air, and there's no, like, there's no, you know, the, the ship made it through, and everything's okay, you know? And it's just same with relationships, and that's that's the heart of the Lord for that. Um, for three things, the earth is perturbed. Yes, for four, it cannot bear up. The servant, and so this, he's going to talk about things that go against the natural order, and I'm just going to be quick about it. A servant when he reigns, and so we all love a good story of the prince and the pauper or something like that, whatever, but the idea is that the servant has no preparation to be ruling. Okay, and so that's just like, it kind of messes stuff up. Okay, or a fool when he's filled with food, no self-control, doesn't know how to eat correctly, you know, or uh, a hateful woman when she's married. Um, One thing said, uh, it's one guy said, it's inappropriate when an unloved woman gets a husband, she becomes a torment. A woman who goes through life unloved starts to crave affection and attention and seek it in the wrong ways. Once she becomes married, she'll crave her husband's attention in a way that damages the relationship. This is a warning to dads to love their daughters well so that they're not unloved. She craves the status of marriage, but now that she has it, it's not enough. Finally, and similar to the first observation, uh, it's inappropriate when a servant girl becomes a queen. So interesting. And I would just say you do see in marriage counseling and stuff codependency sometimes and just unhealthy feelings of a, of a wife to the husband. And, of course, it goes both ways. Um, when the heart hasn't been redeemed first before marriage, it can be an ugly thing. There are four things that are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags. The locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. And the spider skillfully grasps with his hands, and it's in king's palaces. So uh, all these things that are tiny and weak and don't have a whole lot of strength on their own, they're feeble. It reminds me of when I was in school of ministry, 19 years old, and I grew my first goatee. And John Wayne was, John Wang, he's Korean. We had Rory Rogers and John Wang. Um, John Wang was my school of ministry instructor. And he said I looked like a rock badger um, when we were in Israel. And so uh, rock badger. And so I, whenever I think of this verse, I think of grow that goatee out, you know. Um, but the rock badgers, they, they're a feeble folk. I like that. They're a feeble folk. And yet somehow they make it up to protect themselves up in the cave. And so there's just wisdom there on preparing and being wise and getting the storehouse filled for the wintertime and all of these different things. And the spider, I like this. It's like Charlotte's Web skillfully grasps with its hands. Something's happening in me lately where I um, I think I killed a spider like a, a week ago or two weeks ago. And I hate spiders and I hate all things creepy crawly. And I just kind of had a little sympathy for like this little thing has one life one life and you just squished it with your shoe you know and you know I'm, i don't want to be a weird guy more than i already am but i'm killing less spiders now house flies they're dead okay they're dead you, you made your choice you know and yesterday i was uh driving russell's car and i'm driving down the road 
and on the shifter for the transmission, I'm like, do-do-do-do-do, and there's a little bright gray spider on the handle of the... I'm like, I must have touched him, but when I shifted, and it's sitting there, and it's got one leg up like this at me. Like, it's like, just ready to karate chop me if I do anything else. Oh, gosh, you guys, that car couldn't have pulled over sooner. I am out. I am just squishing that thing to death. No, I'm just kidding. I think it lived. All right. Uh, where are we at? Ah, uh, uh, there are three things which are majestic in pace. Just keep it at three, dude. Nope, going to go with four that are stately in walk. A lion, which is mighty among the beasts and does not turn away from any. Yes, we would all say yes to the lion. A greyhound. Oh, you know, okay. All right, I've seen a greyhound. I've seen him race. Not bad. Saw a guy with a greyhound the other day, maybe at the Wallawa Lake, and a lady's like, or Tatum was like, look at that weird looking dog. I'm like, yeah, those are really fast. They're like the fastest dog. Okay, this guy liked greyhounds, not my thing, but you know. And then he gets to a male goat also. Ah, uh, yes. Man, when I'm writing my proverbs, gotta can't forget the male goat. So while I was studying, I was like, what's the big deal with the male goat? You know, so I Googled it, and you know, pretty impressive, I guess. Um, pretty cool horns and stuff. Yeah. Not sure how it made it into the Bible. But the Lord knows. Someday we will too. Okay. And a king whose troops are with him. Yes. Who doesn't love a good battle scene? And the king and the troops and the war paints. And they're going for it. Yes. And the guy right. I can get behind that. The male goat. I'm like, you know. The kids right now have a game on their Xbox. I don't can't remember. What's it called? Goat? What's it, Laney? Come on. What is it? Goat Topolis or something? Oh my gosh, you got dumbest thing. These goats, they control these goats and they run around like a city. And the goat's tongue hangs out. And it's just totally a goat. <laughs> Doing the dumbest brain sucking things. And I said, I can't handle it anymore. You guys, I bought them Farm Simulator. I'm like, if you're going to play a game, bailing hay, you're feeding the cows. And today while I'm studying, what do I hear them doing over there off in the... They're just playing with the stupid goats. Maybe there's something about the goats. I didn't miss it. All right. And then here we go. Um, if you've been foolish in exalting yourself, if you've devised evil, you put your hands on your mouth. Just put your hand over your mouth. As for the churning of milk produces butter... And the ringing of the nose produces blood, so the forcing of wrath produces strife. Proverbs 31, guys, the last proverb of the, of the thing. We're going to go through verses 1 through 9 pretty fast. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, son of my womb, and what, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, nor to your ways, your ways to that which destroys king. And so just some wisdom from a mom to her son who's a king don't give all your heart and your life and everything to women because i think that's probably one of those things that can never be satisfied like the burning forest fire you know it's just a heart that's just ravished by women and um and saying just the wisdom for it's uh, not for kings oh lemuel my son it's not for kings to drink wine nor for princes intoxicating drink why mom well they'll drink and they'll forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. So just 
Man, a mother's heart for sobriety for her ruling son. But there is a place for strong drink, she goes on to tell her son. You want to give strong drink to the one who's perishing. And wine to someone who's bitter in heart. And what will happen? He'll drink, he'll forget his poverty, he'll, he'll remember his misery no more. So just some wisdom there on, on, you know, proper drinking or whatnot. Open your mouth for the speechless and the cause of all who are appointed to die. I love the people that have just championed the cause of the unborn and, uh, you know, going to the abortion clinics and rallying and all of those things. They are filling this wise um, phrase here. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. And now as we close it, probably one of the highlights of the book of Proverbs, the passage about a virtuous woman. The main idea here is that women who live faithfully before God in the power of the gospel bless their families and honor the Lord. Just listen to some of the highlights here of this chapter. A virtuous woman, she is trusted by her husband, She's virtuous, she's valuable, she's a hard worker, she uses her hands, she uses her head, she's compassionate, she's ready for tough times. First she takes care of others, then she takes care of herself, she's a blessing to her husband, she enhances his reputation, and she extends his responsibilities. She's endowed with godly wisdom, she's admired by her family, her children bless her, Her husband praises her. She's honored by the Lord. She has a godly perspective and she receives godly praise. That's an outline of this passage of the the virtuous woman. So verse 10, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. One of my favorite verses uh, when I start a wedding out, I use this verse all the time. Ray Ortland says, this woman, she is the role model She's the ideal woman. So last night I was studying in bed and I was reading this passage and Lindsay looks over and says, what are you reading? And I kind of said, none of your business. I'm reading about you. What do you mean you're reading about me? So I'm reading about the virtuous woman. And she goes, I'm not the virtuous woman. That passage is how you aspire to be a virtuous woman. And I said, And that's what makes you a virtuous woman, right? It's like a hero. They always say the war heroes, you know, like you're a hero. And then the war hero says, I'm not a hero. The real heroes are the ones that stayed behind on the battlefield. And you said, and that's what makes you a hero, you know? And so, um, so today as I was riding with Joe, we were moving some cows and I just told him, I was reading about the virtuous woman today. And I'm telling you, I see Lindsay in every one of these things look at her you guys i see Lindsay in every one of these things wait there's more (laughs) ladies of our church i see you in every one of these things i was just thinking as i was studying i i know where you sit in the park and i was just in my mind going around the park and thinking of you ladies and if you'll just accept a compliment Thank you for being a virtuous woman. How wonderful. Joe and I, weren't we talking about it? We were riding down the hill by the barbed wire fence, and I was just like, what 
the grace of God and what he does where he takes us. Maybe not every one of us had a past of being virtuous, but the work of the Holy Spirit is he makes you virtuous women. And so Alan Ross refers to her as the woman of valor. And as we read the rest of this chapter, the ancient Hebrews knew her as the alphabet wife and the mother. Casey McKinnon's like, I can resonate with that one. I'm the alphabet mom. You know, I'm just teasing. Good homeschool mom right there. Uh, why the alphabet wife? Because every one of these things that it goes through, it's an acrostic. And so it starts out A, B, C. So, for instance, in English, the first few verses would look like an awesome wife. A, for awesome. An awesome wife. Who can find her? B, a blessed lady. Her husband trusts her. C, a caring woman. She does him good all her life. D, a diligent worker. She's skillful with her hands. So this is the alphabet wife. And the mother of excellence, or Derek Kidner calls her an alphabet of wifely excellence. And uh, it's just a skillfully crafted acrostic, which when you write, if you're a writer, uh, you got to appreciate a well-oiled acrostic. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so, let's see here. Uh, she is a virtuous woman, which can be translated strong, competent, Brave, able, efficient, wealthy, and noble. She's precious for the man who finds such a woman. And so much more, just better than rubies. Now in Proverbs chapter 12, we read that an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. And in Proverbs 18, we read that if you find a wife, you find a good thing and obtain favor from the Lord. Okay, we're going to go through it. You guys ready? This is it. I hope, I hope I see you guys nodding off. This is it. After this, who knows, this might be the last park in the park, whatever, you know. We're going to do something different. Bible in the balcony. Everyone at the church up in the balcony. In the summertime, in the heat. You'll be wish, you'll be missing the park. What you'll be doing. Okay? The heart of her husband safely trusts her so so he will have no lack of gain. And so just a virtuous woman, her husband just knows that she is up to good. Whatever it is, she can be trusted. I, I'm resting. I'm sleeping well at night because she is up to good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be gaining whatever she's up to because she has the virtue and the character and integrity of the Holy Spirit in her. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Funny, it's about the wife, but it's about the husband. Like he, he's the one that's getting. It's like maybe we should call it the the husband with the virtuous wife. You know, because all it's just good all my days. Here we see she uses her hands. In verse thirteen, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. It's been said that this lady is a fountain of energy. Her husband, as the spiritual leader of the home, may be the coach. She, however, is clearly the quarterback. She calls the plays, sets the players in the proper place, executes the game plan to perfection. She, she may even call an audible from time to time. So she's the quarterback. thought the McKinnons might appreciate um, that section. Now, I do see you, Casey, in this, in this section. 
She's like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maid servant. So in verse 15, she takes care of the family's schedule, rising before sunrise, if necessary, to provide food for the whole family. And I was just thinking, it's Lindsay all over the place in these. You know, she, there's days I rise before her um, of the week, and my job is just so different every day. Uh, but there's a lot of days, though, that she's up before me, and I hear her little phone go off on the bedside, you know, and I'm like, there she goes. She's going off to work, going to go work and bring home the bacon. That's what, hap- that's what happens in our family. I don't know if you know. Okay, anyways. Um, she uses her head in verse 16. So she uses her hands, uses her head. She considers an investment. And it's really helpful to have a wife who's a CPA, you know, because she's considering like, oh, maybe we need to do this and maybe we need to do that, right? She considers a field and she buys it from her profits. What does she do with the profits? She does something that's going to be even more profitable, plants a vineyard. So there's no foolish purchasing here uh, from this gal. Verse 17, she girds herself with strength uh, and strengthens her arms. So she does the Kira Stokes workout uh, from the flat screen. Too much? Okay, no, Kira Stokes. It's pretty impressive. Rubber bands are on the legs, everyone. Okay. Sorry. She perceives that her merchandise is good talking about the legs that she worked out with the rubber bands. I'm just teasing. (laughs) I'm joking. And her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the... Did I type something wrong here? Dishtaff? Dishtaff. Dishtaff? You guys got it? Dishtaff? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Sure. Oh. Got like a Rapunzel thing going on here. It's a spindle. She stretches out her hand to the distaff. Yep. I read good. Uh, so she's, you know, weaving and, and stuff. She's compassionate. She extends her hand to the poor. So she reaches her hand to the weaver's loom deal, uh, the spindle, and she extends her hand another direction to help the poor. She's reach, uh, she, yes. She reaches out her hands to the needy. Um, the Proverbs lady does not become so busy with her home that she cannot see the hurt of others. In this, she's very much like Jesus, the embodiment of wisdom, gladly opening up her hands to the poor here. So verse 21, first she takes care of others. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. And then she takes care of herself. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Then verse 23, we see she's a blessing to her husband. First of all, she's going to enhance his reputation. And then she's going to extend his responsibilities. So verse 23, her husband is known in the gates. It's just like, yeah, that guy over there, he's the one married to Lindsay Rogers. Yeah, you know her. That CPA in town, you know, he... He's the one, can you believe it? We like the show King of Queens, and uh, we always laugh because you got this beautiful lady, and she's married to kind of this slob, you know? 
And I'm always like, that's us, honey. That's us. I don't know. And we always laugh. Like, how did he get her? I don't know. But I do know because I got you. You know. And uh, But she gives him the reputation. You know? The better half, for sure. Um, the man, It's been said, the man's wife is his greatest asset, his best achievement. <clears throat> and then one other person said, no, she's a great lady that may take a mediocre man and lift him to greatness. Right? This is all you gals here. And then he sits among the elders of the land. And so that uh, extends his responsibilities. 24 through 26, she's endowed with godly wisdom. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. I'm just thinking of you, Paula Curvin. We were talking the other night, and you're in the, the club that helps people, and you're doing a bazaar, and you're talking about making stuff to sell at this Christmas bazaar, you know? And it's like, you're just like the virtuous woman, Paula Curvin. I'm thinking of you, right? Every one of you gals just fits into this mold so great. We were just talking, Paula and I, the other day. Um, and uh, opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Uh, verse 27 shows us she's attentive to her home. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Verse 28 shows us that she's admired by her family, so much so that her children are going to bless her. Now, if you're here with your mom, will you look at your mom right now? Find her. Laser eyes. Look at your mom. Are you here with your mom? Turn around. You girls laying down on your... Look at your mom. Her children rise up and call her blessed. And I don't know that I really did that much as a kid. To, you know, my mom... A little bit. I really love my mom. And we had a such... We still do. But I think of my childhood... Um, and just... A mom... Nobody loves you more than your mom. And just look at your your parents right now and just bless your mom Lainey I see you looking at Lindsay right there bless you mom oh husbands you think you're off the hook tonight I don't think so her husband also so husbands look at your wife that virtuous wife that mother of your children blessed are you and then it says he praises her by writing special music and performing it in front of the church. That's what he does. He rewrites famous songs and then sings about those songs at couples dinners and things. This is all hypothetical. But um, he just sings her praise again and again. Even when it gets old, still he still does it. Verse 29, many daughters have done well. There's some good gals out there. But you excel them all. One of our favorite songs from like 2010 or something, maybe 2007, is by Dashboard Confessional. You know band names, they're weird. But there's a lyric in it that says, you are the best one of the best ones. And I just always say that to Lindsay, you are the best one of the best ones. So sorry, everybody here tonight. I think I've already told you, you're all the best ones, right? And for me, there's the best one of the best ones right there. And for a while, Lindsay and I really liked the law show, The Good Wife. And I always like to tell her, they made a show about you. It's called The Good Wife. Okay. Just winning points. Winning the points. 30 and 31, this is it. 
Charm. Oh, gosh. This is convicting already. Charm is deceitful. Most of the time. Okay. And beauty is passing. I personally haven't seen that. Um, beauty seems to be sticking really well. Um, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And I think Peter talks about that when he says, don't let your beauty be merely outward, you know, with the things you wear and the braiding of the hair and the wearing of this and that. Like, But let it be the hidden person of the heart, right? And that's what the wise uh, one is saying here. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. So she's been working. Let her enjoy the fruit of those of the, the work. Two final things here, two final thoughts. Ross wisely notes, quote, The wisdom of the noble woman inspires praise from her family, from those who knew her the best. And I do encourage you kids here tonight. We're wrapping up. Before you go to bed tonight, just grab your mom and find her and hug her and thank her and just bless her. Just give her a blessing. And husbands, take your wife and just hold her close and look into her eyes and just bless her and encourage her. Tell her, uh, tell her that you love her. Tell her that you need her. Tell her. Th- okay. Um, reassure her. Okay. And then final little word of of Jesus at the center of Proverbs here. Proverbs begins with a dad telling his son to make woman wisdom his wife. Do you guys remember that? And it ends with a husband praising a wise wife. The only way to be a positive mom and a Proverbs lady is to be a saved mom, a born-again woman of God. And then that's the end of the Proverbs, you guys. Yes. So, so fun. Yes, I had so much fun uh, having the elders teach every week. I just look forward to each elder as they would share. And we'll probably do something like that in the future and just give these guys a chance to teach. Love the Proverbs. I think it was just so great. Those those things will stick with you, uh, stick to your bones. But let's just pray over these things, and I'll let you guys go. What do we got? 8 o'clock. Yeah, that's not too bad. 7.45 was going to be sundown tonight. So, Lord, uh, we just do know that whether it's the, the virtuous wife, the alphabet mom or whatever it was called, alphabet lady, um, or whether it's, you know, the young man from Proverbs 5 and 7 who's being tempted by a seductress, or whether it's the the rulers and people with servants and people that are kings or bosses and employees and employers, whatever it is, every single relationship in life, we realize from Proverbs that we don't have it in and of ourselves. We just thank you that, Jesus, you have it, you lived it, and you give it out tonight. And so every one of us, we just say, Lord, just have the work of wisdom in us. Do the work of Solomon in us, Lord, where... Lord, we don't want the riches and we don't want the popularity. Lord, we want a wise and understanding heart. So would you give us that, that we might know you, Jesus, all the more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, let's give the runks one more hand and the bosses and everyone who was serving in the 
just every week. I don't know if you know what it took to set this up, but it would be, you know, setting out the hamburger and letting it thaw and with enough time and packing all the things just right. They would unload the trailer and and load the trailer with the stuff every week. They're very, very meticulous in how they prepared all this. And then Chris would need the tables and the grill and Brad, you know, they would use all that at the men's breakfast. By the way, last men's breakfast this Saturday. And then they would have to load that back up. Chris would go get the trailer. You know, it was a whole thing. So make sure to thank Chris for all his labor at the men's breakfast and Brad and a lot of the guys that have been cooking in the wrong. So just so thankful for you guys uh, for that. Thankful for everyone who's just been serving at these and uh, just going to be moving towards the home group season here uh, in just a little bit. So. Last Saturday was the men, last men's breakfast? Oh, okay, gosh, Rex, we can do it again, though. wasn't here, so I missed the last one. No men's breakfast. Don't show up there. There will be no hope. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, love you guys. Have a great evening.